The Pulse of Portland, a public affairs program of KKPZ with Paul Van Sickle. We're talking to Catherine Hickok today from the Cascade Policy Institute about school choice here in the state of Oregon. And you can find out more about this online at cascadepolicy.com. Org. I'm Paul Van Sickle. This is the Pulse of Portland as we continue to talk uh, about homeschooling now as that is something that I know a lot of uh, our listeners uh, have done or have a, a mentor. It seems like the Christian community especially mm-hmm. um, has, has done a lot more of that homeschooling and you know you mentioned parents that don't feel like they could but now there's so many resources out there. I'm one of those just because I can't deal with my kids all day. Maybe that <laughs> makes me a bad dad. I don't know but I want to have a better educator than myself. I'll just put it that way and do it. But like you said there's so many online resources now as well as groups for getting, right. uh, for getting kids together. Um, you know, some of these online classes are now kind of group online classes like you might right. see in universities. And there are so many activities as well because obviously socialization is another right. thing that people worry about with, with homeschooling. Right. And that's really socialization. It's, it's almost a, it's an old joke among homeschool families because, <laughs> because the first thing, uh, the, the first thing people ask a homeschooling family is how about your kid's socialization and, uh, and really the experience of, I, I would dare to say the vast overwhelming majority of homeschool families is that their kids have so many more opportunities. They're, um, they're taking group classes, they're doing activities, sports, music, theater, dance, um, some kids uh, are uh, kind of pre-professional athletes or something, and they have the time to do that because of the way that their schooling is, is structured at different times of the day. Um, and, uh, and even with the online schools, it's not as if kids are sitting in front of a computer screen all day, especially in the lower grades. What online means is that the parent may be submitting work online to a, a coach or a um, a, a teacher who is um, who is cataloging the progress of the child or something like that, but it's not like there's this kid all alone in his bedroom doing math on the computer all by himself or something like that. It's really uh, the computer can be a communication tool, it can be a learning tool, but it, of course it's going to be age appropriate, and uh, and also some of the classes are way more interactive online too. So you there it is possible now to have group dynamics, group discussions. Um, I mean there are cameras now. There are all kinds of ways that people are able to interact um, that way, but also the in-person element is always going to be important in education. And um, one of the beauties about homeschooling is that the parents are able to tailor that to the needs of the child. So, I mean, there are co-ops too. Parents get together. And you may have one parent who is actually a subject matter expert, um, maybe by profession or um, education, and can teach a fantastic science course or a language arts course or something like that. Every parent doesn't have to specialize in everything, but people know people. They get together, and sometimes it's even more formal than that. There are places like uh, Village Home here in the Portland area where they they have a whole spectrum of classes geared to homeschoolers. You could take mm-hmm. an art class. You could take a science class. You could pretty much spend all day there taking classes if that's what you want. Um, but it is really um, – it, it, kids can get a very, very well-rounded education at a fraction of the cost of um, traditional, traditional private schools. Yeah, and again, being able to um, – and there's so many different reasons for homeschooling. Like mm-hmm. there really is, and that's what people uh, – may not realize too they may just have their own perception of why you would want to homeschool your kids and there's mm-hmm. so I, I know so many different people that homeschool and all for different reasons right um, and now that there are so many options available for that how does the the tax dollar piece fit in ideally um 
for homeschool kids? Do you think like uh, would there be something ever possible for you know subsidizing the education for your own child? You know what? How how do you think that could work out? That's an interesting question. Currently, there's no way to do that in the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. There are laws in other states, many other states, and it's becoming quite common to have. Um, a voucher system, a tuition scholarship basically type program um, for private schools where a certain fraction of the public dollars that would go to educate this child in the public school system can follow that child to a private school. Um, Those programs are becoming quite common. There are also um, education savings accounts in some states where basically um, a parent would have an account. It would be it would be managed in a way that is responsible. It's not like you know the parent just gets this money and is not accountable. Yeah. But it would be sort of similar to a health savings account. Mm-hmm. But it would be for education, and so the parent could use um, use that money for education expenses. This is, I think, really where there is a lot of potential for growth in this country and for maximum flexibility for parents, mm-hmm. because it is um, it's neutral in terms of where the parents are spending the money. It's it's not like you have to use it at a, an 8 to 3 p.m. private school. Yeah. Um, a certain amount of money could go into this account for the child's use. Um, it could be rolled over to next year. The parent could use it for private school tuition, for private tutoring, for homeschool expenses. It would be really, um, it would be really flexible. And there have been a couple bills in the Oregon legislature in the past couple sessions that would have had pilot programs that would allow parents to do that, particularly lower income families or foster parents mm-hmm. or children with special needs. Um, the ESA bill in Oregon was designed to assist those particular families with their education expenses. In other states, it's been a lot broader um, to allow a lot more different types of families to uh, to use that money. But that would be a way, I think, where homeschooling families could benefit the most because they could purchase curriculum and use that money. It wouldn't have to be in a traditional school setting. And that's really where I, I see potential for um for the law to assist assist homeschooling families. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and yeah, there, I know there's been several states that have, like you said, the ESAs or whether it's tax breaks for, um, yeah, private school tuition I know is there, but yeah, for mm-hmm. homeschooling materials, if that can be worked in. Because again, we have so many, We have, again, the options are open here in Oregon. Right. It's just where it, the money's at. You know, you can right. petition to move districts. You can right. find the charter schools that are, you know, here in Portland Public Schools and beyond. You can go to private school. You can homeschool, which that's mm-hmm. starting to get regulated in other states, right. you know, probably too closely and things. So um, the options are there. It is figuring out now how to, um, yeah, yeah, use the dollars for the kids. And, and also, I, I would want to acknowledge there is um, there's disagreement among homeschoolers. Um, I I know there's deep concern in the homeschool community about regulation by the government. Mm -hmm. Most homeschooling parents um, don't want the government deeply involved in their decisions. That's a big reason why there a lot of them are yeah. homeschooling <laughs> to yes. begin with. And so when we get into talking about the law and how taxpayer dollars could possibly be used for um, parents' educational options, that is controversial even among homeschoolers oh, sure. because it's it's just a fact. If you're going to be using taxpayer money, it's going to have to be regulated. Mm-hmm. There has to be oversight. Yeah. I mean, yep. it, it, we would we would expect that we would expect that we would expect that. Um, the tax money would be used wisely, and so yeah, then the you challenge... Up, you end up with Common Core at Home Edition or whatever. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and homeschooling parents, that's the last thing <laughs> they want. exactly so, right. So the challenge here, I, I don't want to be too simplistic about it, but the challenge here would be um, if, if 
it were possible to get a kind of education savings account law in Oregon, um, what what we would do, certainly from my perspective um, as as an advocate for this kind of idea, is to make sure when when the cooks are in the kitchen, <laughs> you get a bill that gives parents maximum flexibility, the least amount of government intrusion, mm-hmm. and and pretty much, you know, if a family doesn't want to participate, they wouldn't have to. But um, but certainly, it's the sort of thing where where people would need to be citizens who care would need to be vigilant. And I know that the homeschooling community will will be interested in staying on top of that to make sure that. Um, that parents' rights are not infringed upon by the government um, if taxpayer dollars were going to be used in that way. But really, when it comes down to it, um, it would be great if parents had more control over where their education dollars are going. And a lot of people pay taxes. Um, You may be a family paying property tax, paying state income tax. and, and you're not really getting anything back for that because you're putting your kids in private school or you are homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and basically, when you choose to do that, you are foregoing about a, an $11,000 entitlement, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the state is, going yeah. to, is spending about that um, per child in the public school system. You are not benefiting from that if you are, in, in a sense, paying a second time to pay for your kids' private school mm-hmm. tuition or homeschooling. And um, it would be nice if some of that taxpayer money that you are paying as a parent could remain with you in some way, either in a pre-tax way, um, like an education credit, where mm-hmm. basically you haven't given the money to the government to begin with. You're able to take off some of your expenses before you pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're not giving you anything. You're just keeping more of your own money. That is one way to do it also. Or an education savings account where basically you're in charge of this money. And as, as long as you're doing something, you know, reasonably responsible educationally with this money, you know, then the government leaves you mm-hmm. alone. But definitely when you're into legislation, the devil is in the details. And that's, yes. where, that's where parents need to be vigilant and... Um, the homeschooling community, I, I know very well, definitely would be, and, and that is a very good thing. Yes. We need that, and um, and so really, it's important for us as as citizens to be involved in in the legislative process and and to make sure that what comes out the other side is really going to be in parents' interest. Definitely. Again, we're talking with Catherine Hickok from Cascade Policy Institute, CascadePolicy.org, and uh, you know, private schools. We haven't talked a lot about because the you know pretty self-explanatory and there's so many out there um again my wife even works at one uh, it's an it's more of an arts focused school there's you know christian schools um you know evangelical christian schools catholic schools also you know all sorts of different private institutions that you can pay tuition and go towards um with some of the bills that you mentioned that had been introduced that had kind of started getting some buzz trying to introduce either a uh, voucher system or some kind of tax break system. Is there a sense at all? And obviously this changes each legislative se- session, but did any of those options take a little more traction than the other one? Or is there a sense at all of any uh, anything like that um, being a little better than another as far as the way the legislature was looking? Um, the think? voucher idea is pretty much dead in the state of Oregon because mm. we have a Blaine Amendment, which uh, a lot of states have, and it is basically a law in our state constitution um, that prevents pu- public money from benefiting a religious institution. And the courts have pretty much ruled that a, a voucher paid directly from the state to a private religious school 
would be directly benefiting from taxpayer money in a way that has been ruled to be unconstitutional. There is debate about that in other states, given their state laws. Mm -hmm. But in Oregon, that's pretty much not going to work. The argument has been made that, well, the state isn't choosing, the parents are choosing, and therefore the state's just doing what the parent says. But the courts have not accepted that argument. So basically, any kind of direct voucher from the state to a, to a religious school is not going to work in, in law in the state of Oregon, pretty much as just as a practical thing. That's not going to work. That is one reason why Cascade Policy Institute has focused more on things like an education tax credit, where, for instance, a parent will take, literally, a tax credit on your state taxes before you give the money to the government. So say I pay $3,000 to a private religious school for my child's education. A portion of that I could take off my taxes before I even give the money to the government. Mm-hmm. So you can't really – it's harder to argue that the yes. government yeah. is giving the money because it never got it in their not hands got to in begin first with. Place. Right. And that's, that's, the, that's a better argument in Oregon um, and, and in other states that has worked better. Could the um, could like an education savings account and a tax credit is that double dipping too much, or do you think that could happen? As far as if you're taking stuff out pre-tax and then, I mean, I can't see legislators that going for that, but that um, would, that'd be kind of cool. Well, in some states, they have more than one law, and so yeah. they may have um, they could have an education savings account law where the the parents have control over a certain amount of money mm-hmm. out of and out of this account they are paying whatever school they want, but. Um, the, the same state could also have a tax credit law where, for instance, an individual could give a donation to a scholarship granting program mm-hmm. and, and take that as a tax credit. So it wouldn't be doing the exact same thing, but it would allow people who don't have their own children in school to assist other people's children by by giving to a nonprofit that helps with tuition assistance or something like that. And so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be doing exactly the same thing, but it would be um, actually um, tax credit laws have been very successful in other states in getting major corporate donations mm. into the school system that would not have gone there otherwise because corporations as well as higher net worth individuals um, have been able to donate money to, kids most in need by giving to tech, uh, to um, uh, scholarship granting organizations that are then helping low-income kids or special needs kids or foster kids to attend the um, private schools of their parents' choice. And that is money that otherwise would not have been donated um, without that program. And so that has brought millions and millions of dollars into education in other states. Pennsylvania is one state. Arizona is another state. And they have raised a lot of extra money that way by having um, an education tax credit law. That's amazing. Well, we encourage you listening to go to cascadepolicy.org and read up on all of these different school choice issues and, and find out the things that they have written and discussed, and especially once the legislature gets back in session, the different things that Cascade Policy Institute is advocating for. This has been the Pulse of Portland with Paul Van Sickle. Email comments, questions, and topic ideas to publicaffairs at kkpz.com.